What's poppin' world? It's your man, the Puerto Rican powerhouse of Mike for Hire, the Puerto Rican Kaiju, the podcast mercenary himself, Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're going to review the new WWE pay-per-view, day one for 2022. Um, first off, this is a brand new pay-per-view geared towards the new year. Yes, NXT has New Year's Evil. Uh, but this is strictly for the main roster show, Raw and SmackDown. So they came up with their own pay-per-view. And it just so happens that day one of the year landed on a Saturday. So it landed on a good pay-per-view weekend. So it kind of makes sense for them to capitalize on that for 2022. So um, we started off with the pre-show. Uh, it was supposed to be a tag match between um, Cesaro and Ricochet uh, against Rich Holland and, and um, Sheamus. But it kind of became a botch match because... Ricochet accidentally broke Rich Holland's, well, bridge of his nose, pun intended. And um, it sucks because it happened so early in the match. So the whole match was supposed to be a spectacle tag match between Cesaro and Ricochet versus former tag partners from Cesaro, uh, Sheamus, with his new tag partner, Rich Holland, who they had this like UK link up where they just pretty much two brawlers from the you know united kingdom britain and it it, it was supposed to be a, a, a banger of a match but sadly because of injuries it ended up being a handicap match which kind of worked against sheamus because you're the heel you cannot have the disadvantage so in him winning it just made cesaro and ricochet like chumps more than they should have like if it was a legitimate like loss with tag partners that's fine but you lost two against one it looks really bad on them so sheamus won but it wasn't anything great so i can't really rate this for two things one, it was on the pre-show, so does it count as a pay-per-view? Because it wasn't even on the pay-per-view replay. I hit the replay just now on Peacock, and they showed the first match of the actual show. It doesn't even include or count the pre-show segments or the pre-show match. So, technicalities, it's not even part of the pay-per-view. It's the pre-show for the pay-per-view, for getting technical. But, because I want to play fair, I want to rate this match. Uh, for what it was, they made it work on the fly, but it wasn't exactly what they had planned, but they were able to, you know, work in the fly. The show must go on and, and do make something out of it. And if anything, it made Sheamus look stronger for the next episode of Raw where he pops in and he can use that. You can kind of use that against him as promo material. Like, you guys could even take me two against one. You know, kind of like just building Sheamus up as a big-time douchebag heel, right? So, the first real match on the card is the Usos, who are currently the SmackDown Tag Champions for, I uh, believe, almost a year now, 170 days and counting, uh, against the New Day, consisting of the King Xavier Woods and Sir Kofi Kingston. Um, shout out to the gear. Both teams have very distinct gear. Uh, obviously, this pay-per-view is called Day One, and the Usos are known as Day One shit. Like, they, they've been doing this since Day One. Of course, you can't say shit because, you know, they can't really brand that, so Day One-ish. And... So when they came out, they came out with the ones up in the air. Everybody was vibing with the Usos. Even though this is technically the hometown of Xavier Woods, the Usos are definitely a favorite. I think they also live in Atlanta currently. They're not from there. They're from Pensacola, Florida. But that being said, I know that Jimmy and Jay actually reside in Atlanta, so they're actually our local you know, talent. They are from that. That's the hometown right now. So that being said, Usos and New Day. How is this never a bad matchup? They never have a bad match. They constantly just work well together. Best dance parts. They're the best dance partners in all of tag team wrestling, period. I don't give a damn who you put against anybody else in other companies. Usos and New Day. I can watch this in all versions. You can give me Kofi and Big E. You can give me Xavier Woods and Kofi or um, 
Xavier Woods and Big E or <laughs> Kofi and Big E. You know, like any variation. Hell, you can make it a six-man tag for all I care. But I, which could happen if the Usos' younger brother gets called up early enough. You can actually get a three-on-three six-man, you know, a trios match, and we could see the you know three brothers against the three brothers. <laughs> yeah, that was okay. Enough of that. No more jokes for me. Um, this match was solid. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. It ended with a surprise finisher. It's great to see that the 3D is back. But this is called the 1D because it's day one. Get it? So the Usos beat the New Day with a 3D as a finisher and shout out to Bully Ray and Devon. They actually shouted them out on Twitter. Like if anybody's gonna use our finisher, it has to be you. Might as well be you guys, you know? So I gave this match a 4.4 out of five. This is such a solid match. There are a couple things I wanna nitpick, but they're not big issues. It's not about the match layout. It's almost about the fact that it almost felt like the chemistry was there. And there, again, it's back and forth, a lot of that. But it's not the typical New Days versus Usos type of feud, blood feud because it wasn't the ending of a feud it was kind of like a mini feud it's like it these things are better when they've built them up so much and they're like not just a cage match or anything like that or any stipulations but when it's still deep into a feud it's always amazing but it's the beginning of this angle so you're kind of starting in hot already i can't wait to see where their next matchup ends up in where probably happens at Royal Rumble leading all the way to WrestleMania. This is definitely the beginning, the start of a great series. These guys have so much chemistry, best dance partners in the biz, hands down two of my favorite tag teams in all of WWE. So shout out to everybody. Now, as far as the gear, as we go to the gear here, King Woods came out and came from Tekken inspired gear. I didn't even get it till the afterwards he showed on Twitter and Instagram. His designer made an inspiration of King's gear. And I, can, I can see it. But prior to it, I'm like, I, this looks familiar, but I couldn't really make out to what exactly I was looking at, right? So I'm like, okay, so what am I exactly am I looking at? So it didn't click until I saw it afterwards. Like, oh, of course, King. And then Kingston hack was very obvious. Brian Fury from Tekken. But again, it was such a flash of, like, you know, they were in the ring moving. I wasn't paying attention to what they were wearing that much. And their entrances were kind of fast-paced. They weren't the usual, like, take your time with it. So, but they look great. They look fresh. I mean, it, it was a great expired gear. And the Usos came out looking like they're banging blood because they're wearing some red Air Forces. One with the high Air Forces with the lows, no mids. <laughs> and some matching red tees with the black leather pants. Typical Usos attire, but it's just very red. Maybe because the pay-per-view is all red. So, mind you, the facade of the day one pay-per-view, everything is red. I for for sure thought I was watching Monday Night Raw. It was so like, wait a minute, hold up. And I know it's Atlanta, but the home of the Hawks and all that, and the Braves, and a lot of red in those teams. But this stage setup is straight up out of a Raw. So Raw stage setup, right? The facade. But I'm like, there are some SmackDown matches going on here, right? And then that's what it just made me look, uh, remind me of. So that was a banger of a match. Uh, next up was probably the worst match on the card, and that's being fair here. I'm not even hating to hate. Madcap Moss, who's capping all the time with his bad jokes against Drew McIntyre. Now, this match was... It should have been a five-minute squash match. Like, let's be serious. Drew McIntyre, former WWE champion who took down Brock Lesnar, he shouldn't have any issues beating the dog shit out of Madcap Moss. Like, he should be out there just breaking the brakes off him. And that wasn't the case. It, it felt like even though Madcap had Corbin in the, in the ringside to distract the referee times, he was towing with Drew. Like, it wasn't... It was very much a fair bout. But the problem is, is... If this was Riddick Moss, the old Riddick Moss, 
I could see that them they're both similar size, similar weight. But this Madcap Moss character, he's like the psychic that makes bad jokes in the, in the group. You know, it's just like I don't feel it, and I wasn't feeling the match. It was getting annoying to me. In the end, I gave it a three to five, but. It wasn't Drew's fault because he did his thing. It's just they were stalling for time because, okay, before the pay-per-view even started, they brought up that Roman caught COVID. The Tribal Chief could not be here today to defend the Universal Championship, so they had to update the main event. It's no longer a four, Fatal 4-Way. It's not Fatal 5-Way because they put Brock there to go against the WWE Champion Big E, Seth Rollins, Seth freaking Rollins, uh, who's still kind of the band leader, but he's back to his Seth freaking Rollins, like, you know, uh, passion. Uh, Kevin Owens, uh, the almighty Bible Ashley, you know, now Brock Lesnar. That's the five people in the main card. So it's still a good card. Don't get me wrong, but I hope Roman heals up fast. And, you know, COVID is no joke. I don't care what you guys think about your personal opinions about it. Like if it's a slight or not, this man is immune compromised. So we don't know how he's taking it. And if it's going to take him a while to come back or if he wants to come back for any time foreseeable future, because Again, it's a dangerous business, and the fact is their company took away testing, but then brought it right back. Who's to say they only brought it back because they knew COVID? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to speculate, but it's just one of those things where, like, when the internet was outraging, they weren't paying any mind, and all of a sudden, they brought back the protocols because the main guy who's not supposed to get sick got sick. That's a big botch on their part. They effed up on that, and I'm sorry, but there's no denying it. If you have protocol why would you take it away especially this close to the pay-per-view and they're doing their best to keep him away like he wasn't in house shows and whatnot but listen this omicron thing is legit a pain in the ass right so marion virus i'm sorry not marion this omicron virus is is out there and people are getting sick i know people that are sick so again not that it's the severity but also his health his personal health. so roman i hope you're doing well if you're hearing this man you got, you got me in your corner, you know, praying for you. So we move on here where Matt Cap Moss, Drew, Drew McIntyre, it, it's it's whatever. I gave it a three and a half, just to be fair, because it wasn't a bad match per se. It just went five minutes way too long. This was a 10-minute match. I feel like it went 20 minutes, and it really should only got five to begin with. So that being said, we move on to the next matchup, which is the RK Bro, the current Raw Tag Team Champions, coming out with the Amigos, Offset takeoff and Quavo to just go in there <laughs> coming out with Randy and Riddle. I'm like, all right, we're doing this bet bet against the Street Profits. Now, most people online were like, why didn't the Migos come out with the Street Profits? I'm like, you know what? If you look back on Instagram a few years ago, I'm pretty sure the Migos posted a picture of them with Randy Orton in the airport. He was just wearing sweats and a t shirt. I think he was like all sweaty or whatever in the airport for some reason or another. And they're big fans of him. So, I'm like, who cares, like, who you think it should be coming out with? If they're fans of Orton, that's what they know. So, like, they came out, and they were there, you know, posing and all that stuff. So, shout out to the Migos. Of course, it's Atlanta. They're going to be at their hometown. Again, Street Profits, great match. I give this thing a four and a half out of five star rating. It was phenomenal. Monsters Ford ceases to amaze me. Dawkins is always the muscling out. He does not look weak. He does not make himself look weak. He's out there tackling fools. Like he tosses people around like ragdolls. Riddle with the tag team tandem. Him and Orton are finally finding their footing. They're finally finding their place. And they're getting somewhere with what they're doing. And it's just like, all right, we're seeing more chemistry. This tag team is blooming. They actually seem cohesive. And in the end, it was like an assisted RKO, almost like a 3D. And I'm like, all right, this is a good way to take off 
um, the, the match and finish it up. And it was great because, you know, you had the Migos and ringside next to the commentary. They're making comments about that, how they're all blinked out. And again, very much felt the show had rhythm. It kept moving. It felt really good. And towards the end, RK Bro retains the Raw Tag Team titles, of course, against the pre no listen the street profits came out and with bianco belair made some hawks themed gear with the black and gold trim and red trim it looked good on them and it came out montez came out with some, some hair braids you know came out with some cornrows and they just came in there looking like fresh to death before the match and during the match there was no listen whoever you think has the best frog splash in the business doesn't matter because it's obviously going to be Montez. Like, <laughs> nobody has a better frog splash in the business today than Montez Ford, okay? Nobody gets more hops than him. He goes to the ceiling when it's staying. Like, he's probably hitting the rooftops if it was like a regular building. Like, if you this was in a big old hall, he's definitely hitting the tiles. So, one of the best frog splashes in the game, period. And this matchup was just, man, I just love these two together. Like, RK Bro and Street Profits. Their synergy here, and I can see them doing another program in Rumble, and if it can lead to Mania, go for it. But it's definitely something I can see happening. But then again, maybe they'll face another team, and maybe they won't. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm not controlling creative here. Remember, a lot of these decisions were made on the fly the same day with all that happened. So I think, with safety being said, this was definitely one of the few things that were planned, and the way they planned it made sense. It didn't look foolish in the end the, the pinfall was was made sense everything in this match made sense and everyone looked great in the end and the amigos came out celebrate with rq brother once again as they retained their belts so next matchup we have here is the miz with accompanied by his wife maurice versus the rated r superstar edge this was a cool match it wasn't my favorite but i still gave it a 4.0 because of edge he came out with the brood entrance and miz came out with his usual you know entrance and he and he, he and his wife Miz and Mrs. are the a couple of Hollywood the a couple of reality TV and she was there to of course annoy and distract the referee and even attack Edge in one point and then I think this was like production error Miz was looking like he's just saw a ghost and he just slowly points behind Maurice and you, and you know what's happening is you know you know exactly what happened Beth Phoenix the Glamazon you know she pops up her music doesn't play until she starts walking. So Kevin done messed up on that part. He didn't play her music. But they pointed at her, and then once the music plays, she starts walking towards the ring. And you're like, oh, snap, the Glamazon's back on Raw. And guess what? She recently retired from, not retired, she quit her job as a commentator at NXT. And I knew this was probably the case. She wanted to be back in the ring and have one final run and maybe do a mixed tag champ, you know, match with against Ms. Maurice at Mania. So she did her thing. She went out there, and she's... She started chasing after Maurice, was wearing heels, and she's just running away, trying to go back to the stage, away from Beth, and Beth scares her off, and then Miz gets distracted, Edge takes him out with a one, with spear, one, two, three, and Edge wins this match, and thus starts the feud with the inter, the mixed tag match that's going to happen down the road, I'm assuming at Mania, where Edge and Beth team up against Miz and Mrs., and we'll see how that ends up. But I'm glad to see Beth back in the ring because a lot of the girls on the roster were asking for Beth to be back in the ring. And she looks phenomenal. She never stopped working out. She looks great for, you know, for her age and for any age, really. Like, being keeping in that same wrestling physique 
is not not easy, especially after a couple of kids. So she came back and bounced back and looks amazing. So congrats to Beth for coming back to the to the raw main roster and for being an active roster member. Hopefully, and I can't wait to see where this this actually will give me something to look forward to in Raw because as much as people give mixed tag matches grief. It helps get people on screen, and it actually is one of the better storyline matches in most cards. So, if you're one that's big on story, this is definitely like stuff that you can see or promos, and with them just playing with each other back and forth, and especially with two different married couples of you know the current crop and the legends, you know, to, to team up and face each other it's dope i think i'm a big i'm a big fan of this and edge still looks great in phenomenal shape as well himself in there looking like a crazed viking and miss i listen i don't want to give Miz the slouch card he did look great in the ring he knows ring ready him and maurice definitely stay in a certain physique obviously i don't expect the five-star match from Miz, but when it comes to story building matches this is where he is a specialist at where he excels in and i'm glad he's actually working to his strengths and not his weaknesses here so that this is definitely something i hope to see down the road and become a good storyline and that being said let's keep it moving and, and you know enough said let's keep it moving so we move on where we get becky lynch big time bex versus Liv morgan for the raw women's championship so we have this match where Becky is facing Liv once again. Liv, who has been fighting tooth and nail to be on the to be on the card, let alone being in a title match, has improved her ring work excellently. Like she took the pandemic and really went to the gym and the performance center and practiced. She had some great flow and great chemistry with Becky. She actually had a spot where she was doing some springboard. Uh, power bomb, sunset flip power bomb, but she landed on her feet like a cat and was able to take down Becky and give give it to her. She even did this armor on Becky and like, oh snap! So she's definitely bringing everything. So it's one of those things where you're gonna see the underdog fight from the bottom, and that's how you do it. And Becky's there just toying with her, but also underestimating the fight in the dog. So she's getting her ass beat in the beginning of the match as she's getting tossed around and she's caught off guard like, oh snap, this ain't supposed to happen, I'm Becky Lynch. Well, guess what, Liv is stepping up immensely and her gear, obviously the gear both ladies are wearing like black leather, like almost like a sedan type gear, but that's just typical uh, WWE women's roster gear, like everybody has a patent leather, it stands out, it's flashy, but it's also sexy, but also looks powerful. And but they're, they're having different looks about them, but Becky's now doing the whole more bodysuit look where she used to do pretty much the, the booty shorts and the t-shirt. Now she's looking more like from tomboy now to more glam. And then Liv Morgan's just looking like it's like a straight monster out there, like Venom with the way her gear just like looks just like a symbiote on her, which is pretty badass. And but they they were in there taking it to each other. They were not holding back. And it was again, this was a banger of a match. Like this is the only female match in the whole damn card mind you so they had to step it up to make sure let them know like hey we can do this okay let me show you what i can do and they both showed exactly what they can do going back and forth and it was you couldn't tell who was going to win in the end but that's great that's when you know the match is good when you're like cheering for both like oh damn so it's gonna go her way or no it's gonna go her way and you're just like oh my god and it was a lot to take in and you couldn't even blink because you're going to miss a, a good spot and a lot of good spots in Smash you know there was a, even a spot where Liv was trying to do her finisher but then Becky um, 
reversed it where her finished the manhandle slam, her version of the uh, Insiguri, not Insiguri, uh, Irinagi, and she took out Liv in one, two, three, retains the Raw Women's Championship. And again, the whole match, she was just getting the brake speed off her, rolling out of the ring. She was having that ring awareness, that veteran ring awareness, so she was just making Liv chase her and getting out of the ring to kick a breather and all that so she can get back in more refreshed. Definitely everyone looked good in this match, even though sadly Liv lost. She didn't look weak and she looked like she is a contender now. She definitely looks like she's ready to take a belt down the road and I hope it happens for her. So whether that happens, it's either here or there. I'm not the booker. I just watch a show. So that match is a 4.2. I think it was a pretty solid match. A little bit better than Miz and Edge uh, as far as... Um, I mean, actually, let me be honest. It was a lot better than Miz and Edge. Nothing against Miz. His matches are never that great. And But again, it's because he's good at building stories. Not so much that he's the best ring worker. Or like he's not, he's, Edge is a better ring worker, but he does great storytelling. Of course he does. And this whole buildup on Raw with the whole, you know, the respect thing, Miz coming back from his Hollywood escapades and all that stuff and Edge calling him out on it and all that stuff and getting Morrison fired. I mean, can't really use that actually storyline. Maybe the storyline into their show, but it is WWE. They have no shame in what their game is. So, Dave was a great matchup. Uh, Edge, amazing. I mean, I love Edge. He never gets, I think I never get sick of Edge. I'm glad he's back and he's getting one last good run. Even with the pandemic and COVID, he had a year where he couldn't even, even be in WrestleMania because there was no crowd. But, that last year's show, when the crowd came back, he was, even though it wasn't a full audience per se, you know, this year for sure, they're gonna plan it, make sure that he gets a real big pop and he has the whole sold out arena in Texas and we'll see what happens. So that being said, we move on to the main event here. And on that card, we have the Fatal Five Way, which is the Fatal Five Way with Big E defending his WWE Championship against Steph Rollins. Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley, and Brock Lesnar. So the odds are ever against them. You never really want to bet against the champ unless it's a fatal five-way or even a triple threat or fatal four-way because there are more chances for the champions to lose. And sadly, that's what occurred. And what pissed the internet off was it wasn't so much that Big E lost or that Big E lost to Brock Lesnar. It's the fact that it was Big E that got pinned in a fatal five-way against Brock Lesnar. Mind you, Brock is a babyface on SmackDown because his fight got cut because Roman got sick. They had nothing for Brock, but he was there and they're paying Brock low boatloads of money and they, they got to do something with him. So it, it put him in a title match. And if he's gonna be in a title match, you know he's gotta win because he has to look strong in his contract. Even though Bobby Lashley broke the brakes off of, of a Brock Lesnar, like it looked like he could take out Brock Lesnar. Mind you, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins together were beating up Brock Lesnar as a tag team, like, you know, two against one, jumping him. And it looked believable, absolutely. There was even some taunting from Kevin Owens there when they took him out of the ringside and took the steps on him and did some moves on him. And he looked like he was laid out for the whole match, but he wasn't. But then when he had, came back prior to that, he was just outside. You saw Bobby Lashley spear him through the barricade like Roman did. Now, Bobby Lashley in a small fry. He is a threat. He was supposed to be the big threat in this fate of four-way prior to the addition of Brock Lesnar. And we've never seen Brock and Bobby in the same damn ring in WWE. They had so many chances to make this a main event. Make this shit the main event this year, all right? I'm sick of it. We need Bobby Lashley against Brock Lesnar 
I want it to be a main event at this year's WrestleMania because if it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. Two kaijus, two behemoths, two powerhouses, two evenly imposing men, similar age, similar backgrounds. They're both amateur wrestlers. They're both um, obviously professional wrestlers. They're both former MMA you know, fighters. They both have similar pedigrees. Of course, Bobby being a veteran, so this guy has seen it all in combat, in and out of the ring. And Lesnar is just a beast of a man who's just, he's a farmer, but he's one badass farmer. This man's also a licensed butcher. You know what I mean? Like, there's just elements of these two that just say main event. And I really want to see this match because this will definitely get butts and seats ASAP. And nothing against Biggie. I love his reign, but I feel like the Kofi Kingston is ass in this match. And it's like, damn, bro. Like, seriously, like, bro, like, come on. But it has to be like what's Brock Lesnar's beef with the New Day like I swear to God he always has to decimate the New Day specifically Kofi Kingston a nine second freaking squash match that we don't want to talk about anymore made him look weak as shit okay and Big E did he have to eat this pin why couldn't it have been Owens who just resigned why couldn't it have been Rollins hell I'll even I'll even take him pinning Bobby Lashley who got wrecked by other people in the ring that's all I'm saying but you don't want to pin the current champion who was out there campaigning and doing interviews in the Breakfast Club and other shows to like, you know, Hot 97. And he was trying to put himself out there so he can spread awareness to WWE and bring more people of color and African-American, you know, brown people to watch WWE. And he was, as a champion, he felt he was doing the champion parts of dressing up and going out to interviews. And he, he fit the role. And this guy is doing a lot of charity work and a lot of stuff for American history, African-American history uh, museums, and he's building one right now with his, one of his friends. He is doing a lot of community work. He is the perfect epitome of example of a champion. And even though he lost, he'll always be my champion. Big E was definitely doing his thing. This man deserved it. He's deserved a reign sooner than this, but then again, so did Kofi, so we know how that all goes. I think he could main event, but do I think he's going to take that Brock Lesnar? Nah, they're not going to do that. They're going to protect Lesnar way too much for that shit. But I could see him beating Lashley. I could see him beating Owens, of course, and I could see him Rollins, anybody else. Hell, even if you make Biggie the guy that takes out Roman in SmackDown, if that's what you're leading towards, I kind of hope that is what, what happens here. Because you're already building this feud with the New Day again against the Usos, right? Hear me out. Now, if you move Biggie, who just lost the WWE Championship, to SmackDown and reunite them with the New Day, you have the New Day versus. The bloodline. Three against three. It's the story's there. The story is there. I hope that's what's happening here. I don't want Big E to go back to the mid-card. This man has grinded to go at the main event, be at the main event. He has busted his ass in and out of the ring. He has done everything possible the last decade to look like a main eventer. He's always looked like a main eventer, but he got charisma. He has speakability, like he has relatability. And he got his own theme song with Wale. Like, he definitely changed his character up a little bit without losing what he truly was, which was the New Day. Like, he kept the New Day uh, going, and he didn't have to go heel to go in his own. He was just drafted a different company. You know what I mean? Like, brand, I mean. So, that being said, Big E deserves to be in a main event. He is a main event star, and as are many others. Sadly, that's what it is. WWE suffers from having too many good wrestlers. <laughs> So when you have so many good wrestlers, it's hard to put everyone on top because everyone in this fatal five-way deserves to be at this year's WrestleMania. Kevin Owens, a re-signed, who was rumored to go to AEW, re-signed because 
he was loyal to WWE and he's gonna stay there. Who knows if that's gonna cost him later down the road and he gets like going the next in the next budget cuts because you know it's gonna happen. But he definitely re- needs redemption from losing to Goldberg for the Universal Championship. Um, Seth Rollins, this man has never been up in loyal to WWE and he has tried everything to make his character relatable and not that it, it always falls flat it's the fact that he never quits and he keeps doing whatever he needs to to make his character reinvent themselves over and over again until he can find something and i think finally this year he got some sort of like praise from the audience when that one crazy dude tried to attack him twice in new york city i think it was in brooklyn and barclays you know what i'm saying like it took him forever after all the bad tweets over the years and him just coming off cringe this new version of Seth feels rejuvenated like he's got more passion in him he's kind of Seth freaking Rollins the best version of Rollins is always me Seth freaking Rollins and even though it has splashes of this choir director at least he's not as goofy and he's taking himself a little more seriously if anything it's more that he's cocky he's going into these matches look acting like he's a shit and like that's how you're supposed to be before to be a main eventer and of course Bobby Lashley come on Bobby Lashley the almighty this man deserved the belt years ago I'm glad he already had a reign but he can get another one and man, everyone here, of course, you know, Brock Lesnar speaks for himself. But then again, so should Brock, Bobby Lashley. Let's be honest, it's not just Brock Lesnar because he's an ex UFC guy. Bobby Lashley has proven that he can be a draw and he can do whatever it takes to step the game up. When he had the hurt business, that was the most over thing on Raw. The only reason I even tuned into Raw. Sadly, we've created differences that keep messing that up with the hurt business. I mean, what is up with WWE not liking factions? I love these good factions, as long as that makes sense, all right? Those three men with MVP as their manager made sense. They had that chemistry. They had that black dominance. Like, they looked like all athletes ready to kick some ass, and somehow they keep bringing them up like a damn bad soap opera. But that's either here or there. But I'm glad to see that Bobby Lashley's able to recover from all that up and down as far as his uh his 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 views on the card but man there's just so much good talent in WWE right now so I cannot wait to see what the main event for the rumble let alone who wins the rumble and let alone who ends up actually main eventing night one or night two or even ends up on the card for WrestleMania this year this is where all the questions are this day one definitely opened up the can of worms of like all right let me fancy book over here real quick So with that being said, um, I gave this match a five-star rating. Hell yeah, it was a five-star match. It went no more than five more minutes than the Drew McIntyre, Madcap, Moss match, but it felt like it was so fast because so much was happening. You had Lesnar doing F5s on everybody. You had Kevin Owens and Seth tagging up to, listen, they're, they were playing this game smart. They're like, we tag him and take him out, and that's the biggest, that's the biggest obstacle we got right there. Let's take his ass out. So... I can't be bad at them for having strategy there. And of course, Big E was showing that I'm the champ. I'm gonna show you why I'm the champ. He went in there and he was straight dominating people with a damn move that he does. It's the big ending and he's like putting on everybody. He was there just looking like a damn superhero like this. It was one hell of a main event. Mind you, this pay-per-view's brand new. It's definitely it's considered to be a what a uh, B-level pay-per-view, but it stood out on its own. And it's one of those pay-per-views it's not gonna happen so often because it has to happen on the weekend for it to be a pay-per-view mind you they're not even called pay-per-views anymore people i just found out they're called premier premiered live events which makes sense because you're not paying to see these like that you're paying for the streaming service of peacock and they're just premiere live so i get that that that's a one thing that i don't mind calling that because they're not pay-per-views they haven't been pay-per-views since the wwe network was a thing 
So that being said, the verbiage and terminology changes don't bother me. Some people were making a grief about them. Like, listen, you didn't pay $50 for it, right? So it's not a pay-per-view. You didn't pay it on cable, not a pay-per-view. It is streaming live for free, for free, for free. Free 99 on Peacock. So that being said, this was definitely a great pay-per-view. If you round up the averages, you're looking at a 4.0 average on the card here. That's not a bad look. That is not a bad look. This pay-per-view, I went in there with the lowest of expectations because why? Monday Night Raw has been hot garbage in the past two months. Minded people have been telling me, oh yeah, but it's redeemed itself. Like listen, for something to redeem itself, it has to be consistently good. And it's always up and down with Raw. It's never consistent. At least SmackDown can have an off week and afford to. The problem is that other shows, I, I can't see them afford to. Like, there's just something about Raw that they seem to miss the miss the, the mark on. And listen, I'm not here to judge quality because I'm not a damn uh, producer of a show. It, it is what it is. It's they're doing their they're doing the most minimal minimal with Raw and doing a lot with SmackDown because that's where the money's at. But I don't know what's gonna happen with the Fox deal and the NBC Universal deal. They're both competing companies with the same brand on both channels. That's gonna end up. That's gonna one of those two those two uh, partnerships has to end in for them to succeed. So it is what it is. Will it be Fox? Will it be NBC? I'm leaning towards NBC. They do have all the WWE stuff on Peacock already. And Fox, I don't see them having it because they can't keep up with the ratings. Like, listen, it's different when you're talking about USA on cable versus broadband Fox on regular basic TL television. They expected four to five million. They got that at first, and over the last few years, it's dived drastically down to two point something and stayed around two point something. At the lowest, it was at one point six, I believe. And it's a SmackDown, not even Raw. So the fact they got it back up to 2.0 and 2.1, 2.2, it's great, but it's not what they were promised when they paid billions of dollars to get that 4.0, you know, 4 million, 4.5 million viewers. So that being said, I don't know which deal, maybe both deals end up bursting and then they go somewhere else, but I doubt it. I'm pretty sure they're going to stay with Peacock and probably Vince might even sell a Peacock and they'll be their, their own brand. So if anything, I'd prefer if WWE goes to Peacock instead of going to Disney or Fox or anything like that because they already have the 40 years of partnerships with them, with the USA Network. So it only makes sense that they're the ones who have first dibs in this licensing of brands. So that being said, that's enough business talk for there. Uh, this pay-per-view was good. Uh, it's a 4.2 average for all the matches. Uh, there's a lot of little segments here and there I didn't talk about, but again, I review matches. I don't review promos and backstage and backstage segments. So that being said, WWE Day 1 2022 was an amazing pay-per-view. If you haven't seen it, it's free on Peacock. Tune in. It's a good watch. Three hours without the pre-show. Definitely something worth catching. And again, this thing was way better, way better than Survivor Series. So if you had felt some type of way how bad Survivor Series was and might even skipped it, I don't blame you. This redeemed itself and made sure that it, it stood out from all the recent pay-per-views WWE has done where they've kind of like lacked in the departments. But again, you gotta understand part of it is COVID, but a part of it is last minute changes. And the unpredictability of WWE usually works against them. This time it actually worked with them to be more creative and to put on a really good show. And I'm glad, sadly, I'm not, I'm not glad Roman's sick, obviously, with COVID, that's terrible. I'm saying I'm glad they were able to get back on their feet and come up with something on the fly. And it came out great. 
So that being said, this has been another CJR Media Review. I am the podcast mercenary, the micro hire, the Puerto Rican kaiju himself, Christian Joe Ramos, signing off till next time. Thank y'all for tuning in as always. Thank you for seeing this amazing show. Happy New Year, everyone. And until next time, take care. I'm out.